Pixel Sift is proudly supported by Murdoch's University School of Arts. Turn your <laughs> notifications off, kids. Uh, if you're interested in making something, a degree from Murdoch University School of Arts might be just the ticket. It's designed in consultation with industry and business. And uh, the Bachelor of Creative Media allows you to specialise in a number of fields, including sound, graphic design, or even games. And you can combine bits and pieces to make a super ultra deluxe Street Fighter 2 mega degree. Uh, you can use these cross-disciplinary skills to make something cool and get the skills you need to be ready for the workforce. Search Murdoch University and head to the website for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts, proudly sponsoring Pixel Sift. Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni and joining me today are my co-hosts Mitch and Sarah who's joining us for the last time in this state before, just like everyone else in Western Australia, they eventually go to Melbourne. Um, Sarah, thanks for joining us. Mitch, you're all right. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for letting me on one last time. You're welcome. Uh, Now, our guest today is a technical director from that great state that you're visiting, uh, Matt Clark. He's from the Voxel Agents. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. We're really interested to hear more about your new game or upcoming game, The Gardens Between. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We'll be learning all about that a little bit later in the show. But first, Mitch, there's been something dominating the news cycle. Uh, What are we talking about? Well, our news cycle anyway. Um, So, yes, the Australian government has finally gotten back to us about that Senate inquiry way back in 2016. So, yeah, and it doesn't look great for the Australian development community. It doesn't look great. That's definitely true. (laughs) Let's jump in, shall we? Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. So if you're not in the loop about the Australian games and Australian politics, the federal government has... I guess, gotten back to us about a a Senate inquiry that was submitted almost a year and a half ago, or two years, as we were discussing. It's almost two years at this point, 642 days. That's right. Yep. And um, so, yeah, there were a couple of conditions that were put forward, and they were almost all knocked back, and some of them were... What was the other term for that? I guess like just no, okay, we're, we're okay with it. They were noted. Mitch. They were noted. Sorry. So if you, we'll take you right back to the beginning. So the Senate uh, has a committee um, that looks at communications and a bunch of other things. Um, it's a cross uh, party committee. So there's people from the Liberal Party, the Labor Party, the Greens. Uh, uh, Scott Ludlam was a, a proponent of this particular committee and was on there pushing for the Australian games industry. Uh, they delivered a report uh, after doing 111 submissions basically to this uh, inquiry um, and they delivered a report with uh, some recommendations about what they think the Australian games industry needs in order to get that uh, you know shot in the arm to to push it into the next gear so they do this for lots of different types of things they'll do it for like defense and coal and all of that other bits and pieces um, but they do it for a number of different industries and these uh, committees are designed to kind of like do a bit of fact finding so that the government can make a good decision about the uh, the plans that they're going to make so it they uh are required by law to provide a response uh, three months after the uh, the Senate committee has subtabled their recommendations, um, and it took uh, 642 days. So I'm not a, a maths wizard, <laughs> um, but I think that's a little bit longer than uh, three months. I'm sure they just misread it. They must have just, you know, they've they probably sent. She'll be right, mate. It's just a simple little error. They sent. They sent a. You know, they asked for an extension on it, and they sent in a note, and they've got a doctor's certificate. So, um, at what point do you think they went? Oh shit! We better put something out, otherwise it might get ridiculous at this point. I don't think they ever thought it was ridiculous at any point. Anyway, I thought. I bet they 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 thought it was ridiculous. 
ridiculous. The second it landed on someone's desk, I took one look at the title and laughed at it, frankly, is, is by judging by the response we got. So out of the eight recommendations that were made by the Senate committee, the government noted five of them, um, which means uh, basically they just go, we, we understand that that's a recommendation and thank you for providing that recommendation. Uh, and they put it in the paper shutter. Yeah, they just basically said, we've noted that. Um, uh, they did not support two of the recommendations uh, that were in there. And while it did support one of the recommendations, uh, which was the up- encouraging the uptake of serious games through you know consultation with industry and all that sort of stuff, uh, it believed that the industry should sort of pursue this instead of the government. Uh, no this other economy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, no other uh, initiatives were supported, um, though the GDAA uh, received $17,000 from the communications department to uh, – provide a, a, like a, a showcase of Australian content at the Game Developers Conference, which is coming up soon. Uh, so, Matt, that's a, a background on everything here. What do you, what do you feel about this uh, particular revelation that came out yesterday? And, and was this what you were expecting? Yeah, I don't think anyone in the industry was particularly surprised by it. I mean, um, this is the government that cut the Screen Australia funding originally anyway. Um, it's surprising that it took 200 days to get back to us. But, yeah, I don't think it was unexpected at all. And uh, have you seen some of the conversations that people have been ha- having and, and the idea that, or how has people kind of been responding to it uh, out of people that you have spoken to? Yeah, I think a lot of people are pretty annoyed. Um, I definitely think it's pretty short-sighted. Um, they don't really, like, we we will keep making games. We're going to keep making games. But if you want to look at, you know, getting big investment and starting you know, we want to get like a supercell level company in Australia. We need government support to reach those kind of levels. Now, you originally received a bit of support from Screen Australia. Uh, and can you tell me a little bit about how that kind of happened and the sort of difference that made to the, the Voxel agents? Yes, yeah, so there was a Screen Australia fund that was set up in like 2013, 2012. Um, and the way that worked was they were actually investing in companies so a company that would have a slate of products. Um, it was largely focused around like hiring people and growing studios, bringing more people in. Um, but it really gave us the ability to, I guess, take a few more risks and survive maybe a game that didn't work very well. So um, I guess because we're, we're a small company, we really like live and die on our successes. So if we make a game, it comes out, it makes some money that funds our next game. But then if the next game doesn't work, then we can't fund the one after that because um, we just make all of our own original IP. Mm-hmm. So this gave us like really the ability to, you know, take a risk, make a game that ended up not working. Um, but then after that, because we had the funding, we could go on to make Train Connect World, which has made about a million dollars. We've got, I don't know, 8 million players on that, which is pretty amazing. Um, and The Gardens Between, which is now up for an IGF nominated award and will be coming out later this year. How much of a, and you're also in a state, uh, Victoria, which does have uh, state government support. Um, how much of a, a difference does that make? And would it be something enough that would, if you didn't live in Victoria, would it, would it draw you to the state to, to go there? Um, I assume it does draw some people to the state. I think moving is, is a pretty big, tough call. I mean, um, we moved to Melbourne because we love Melbourne, not, not for the funding. The funding is just like a nice bonus. Um, and you have to you have to earn it as well. Like you need to have the right game and the right product that makes sense for the for Film Victoria to invest in it, because um, they want to get their money back at the end of the day as well. 
So what do you think is the next step, I guess? I mean, I've seen a lot of conversations and I think one of the, the best takes uh, was uh, John Kane, uh, developer of Mallow Drops and Killing Time at Lightspeed, had this take. He says, uh, yo, yo, who knows how to dig up coal and turn it into a gun? Because that's literally the only industry this government will support at this point. Yeah, the timing of that just really, really, you know, gets my goat. It annoys me so much. Like the game industry is a, you know, we make... 90 95% of our money from exports like if they want to invest in an industry that's going to bring in global dollars into Australia that we spend in Australia like killing people with guns is just stupid and short-sighted like it's not going to work <laughs> do you uh, do you, I know the um so the IGEA IGEA and GDAA have been sort of pushing for this and have been working hard to to make something happen and I think it is it is a credit that they have got that seventeen thousand dollars to to show off our export product, which is Australian games at, at GDC. Um, do you think uh, this is just kind of a step along the way, and people will keep ticking along, or uh, do you think a lot of people will be like, "No, nah, I'm, I'm, you know, this is the the final straw that's broken the camel's back." Um, like I think most of the most of the game companies in Australia will keep making games. Um, you've got the few that uh, have got the formula down pat, like. <clears throat> Wicked Witch, Defiant Development, like those guys know what they're doing. They're making great games. Um, they got thriving businesses. Um, but then a lot of the small indies, they're just going to keep making games because that's what they love doing. Um, I think the missing out on the funding really is missing out on like bringing in new investment and outside investment to like multiply those dollars and and grow large studios that will make like a big big difference. So I think that's the main thing that we're missing. You you mentioned is that, that your question? yeah screen is well I I guess that's it that you know you you don't get any new players into the into the game effectively yeah. if if people have to just do it all on their own dime you mentioned that um Screen Australia sort of invested into your company have they had a, a return on um on what they on their investment or was it a given as a grant um so it was twenty five percent grant seventy five percent loan of the money that they gave us um and we're due to pay back the first instalment pretty soon um. Which I think we'll be able to do, which is good, obviously, because it's you know you're coming back and paying that back means that the the cost itself isn't actually you know as big as the as burden as what people could see. So, so other yeah, than exactly. other than government organisations, is there anywhere anywhere else that developers can turn to for funding? Um, there's like uh, so it's like some successful developers in Australia, for example, Hipster Whale um, have. Funded companies, so they went to support um, pretty great studios, I think, and they're publishing a few other games. Um, but really, there's not a lot of venture capitalist money in Australia. I think we have some like interesting investment laws that stop people from raising money from friends and family and things like that. Um, I think if people are looking for investment, like they basically have to go to Silicon Valley because that's that's where the the money for that sort of thing is basically. So what you're saying is basically the government tells, you know, you guys, the game developers of Australia, that it's up to you to kind of sort out, you know, um, relative funding, you know, within within the industry. And now you're saying, well, that's absolutely not viable in the long run for the amount of people for, or, you know, it's only viable for a small percentage. Is that right? Yeah, basically. Um, it's just making games is really hard. <laughs> I think what really yeah. is going to be really interesting to see is how um, this kind of shakes out um, in terms of uh, further developments. I think uh, like a lot of uh, 
state governments are now starting to move in in this direction. Uh, Screen Queensland, which previously did not have any um, funding for games, have now just recently announced that they are offering a couple of different funding packages and had previously sort of tested the water with uh, offering offering travel uh, grants, which allowed developers to travel from their home state to a convention. I think they had travel grants for for GCAP, and I'm not sure if they had GDC, but quite often they do have that sort of funding available, um, and then did a, a... uh, Kim Alom, who works at Defiant Development, uh, got a, 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 a got some funding for to support her work uh, in that industry. Um, yeah, I think we'll start to see a little bit more of this kind of develop as as the states kind of go along. Um, I think it is extremely disappointing that um, it has taken as long as it's taken to have uh, you know a, yeah just to get an opinion out of them just, essentially yeah uh, and to have this sort of recommendations. Who you know? It took a lot of consultation. Well, 111 submissions, which that's time and effort for people who put that information yeah. in, who want to see this industry sort of develop. But what so. was what seemed to be a little bit more disappointing was just the gaming, the game development community. They just weren't surprised at all. Mm. It's like I was just looking at the tweets. They were just like, "Yeah, it sucks, but we expected it." I was just like, "That's rough." It, yeah, I mean, I had some optimism when I when I when the uh, article went past my screen. I was like, "Oh, maybe." We'll have some, I don't know, we'll get, we'll some make some respite. progress. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, this has got the conversation going mm-hmm. and at least we know they haven't entirely forgotten about it, <laughs> I guess. Um, interestingly, uh, Damsel, um, made by Screwtape Studios, is now throwing up a little screen at the when you load up the game saying, hey, we've got this information and if it's important to you and you're in Australia, you should contact your representative. Um, uh Fellow Queensland uh, developers who made the game uh, Satellite Rain have a little icon at the back of their their credits, which says "Made in Australia despite the best efforts of our government," which has been in for a while. Satellite Rain's been out for a while, and I think we'll start to see more of that sort of stuff as as we go along. And I saw he and Fam, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last mm-hmm. name. He's currently doing uh, "It Will Be Hard," a visual novel with mm-hmm. um, I think with help from uh, John Kane. Yep. Well, yeah, and he immediately tweeted something about how he was going to try and incorporate some of the recent political. Uh, you know, happenings uh, into the into the story at some point, or to incorporate it into the game somehow as like a bit of like a hey, so this is what's happening, you know, in our country. But yet, you know, he's still going to get his game out. I think it's really cool to see all these developers, you know, going right. Well, we're gonna, you know, let people know what's going on. Mm. So when our games do ship, other people internationally will know. That, will be you know, aware. It's not good here, mm. and we're trying to make a difference. So that's really cool. Mm. Uh, Hien, who had a, a crowdfunding campaign, actually got some uh, funding from the city of Perth. Uh, got a little bit of money yeah, there. Yeah, go so Perth. There you go. <laughs> uh, look, we could talk about this for, I think, ever um, until the next uh, revelation comes out. It's, and it's slowly morphing into just complaining. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, I think it's justifiable. And yeah, I, think I, I, I believe other, so, yeah. A lot of other industries yeah. who have uh, had similar similar reactions um, where... I'm talking about us three in this room right now. It's slowly morphing into complaining. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I, and it's, it's a developing story, obviously, as we'll see how we yeah. go. But, you know, it's a good platform to go for if you're not in government and you want to campaign on something else. Uh, that's uh, something to go for. A bit of bit of politics tip for you there. So just make sure you're not a dual citizen. If you're listening, Bill, uh, that's a good one to go for. Right now, though, let's jump into our next topic and learn a little bit more about the gardens between. Mitch, what's Discord? Discord is an online chat service that most gamers use. Incidentally, you can also use it to talk to us at pixelsiv.com.au forward slash Discord. Yeah, you can talk about uh, episodes, you can talk about upcoming topics, you can probably even coerce Mitch into playing a game with you online. That's not going to happen. That is going to happen. You're doing it. I'm saying that's happening. Sorry. Yeah, well... Join Discord. You should grow your beard back. pixelsiv.com.au forward slash Discord. I thought we got rid of that promo. No, it's it's gold. 
It's utter gold. Uh, can I play a game with you later? Yeah, yeah. sure. You, you know, Matt's on Discord now. You can, yeah, yeah you can look, play a game. Matt, did you get Discord for this show? Yeah. I'm sorry. You made a good decision. There we go. Thank you, Discord. Uh, you can send the checks to <laughs> one Pixel Sift. Um, if you're just joining us, uh, we hello have, at pixelsift.com. Hello at pixelsift. Uh, that's our PayPal account. Send it through. Um, if you're just joining us, we have uh, Matt Clark. He's uh, one of the creators and is the technical director at uh, Voxel, uh, the Voxel Agents, uh, and they're working on a game called The Gardens Between. Now, if people weren't able to get down to, to PAX, which you were selected for the PAX Indie Showcase, can you tell us a little bit about what, what the game's about? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's like a surreal puzzle adventure game. It follows the story of two best friends. Um, the trick in the game, though, is you're not actually controlling the characters at all. So you just control time. So you move time backwards and forwards to solve puzzles. That's a pretty like interesting narrative adventure puzzle game. And uh, we spoke to Henrik a little bit uh, on the floor at PAX, and he was telling us you've been working on this game for for a little while now. Um, how did the game kind of come about, and what was sort of the inspiration behind it? Yeah, so uh, years ago, 2011, I think, we were prototyping a bunch of different ideas, a bunch of different games. Um, and one of the ideas, we wanted to make the, the scene Minority Report, where Tom Cruise is like, rewinding and like scrubbing back and backwards and forwards through the the precogs memories to try and find clues um so we actually made like a bunch of different prototypes of messing around with time or um working on the idea of i guess in minority report they have like the one of them is an unreliable narrator like they all have like slight differences so if you had like three stories and you were scrubbing in time you'd have to find out the real one um yeah i don't know we made like 20 different prototypes all sorts of crazy different ideas um, and one of them was, yeah, eventually became the gardens between. It was like a following the story of some characters moving time backwards and forwards, um, changing the state of the world to solve puzzles. We just thought that was a pretty cool idea. Um, sat on it for a few years while we worked on some other games, uh, and then eventually decided that we wanted that was a game that we wanted to make. Um, basically, because of the Screen Australia funding, actually. There you go. Paying and, dividends. Th- and that's what we call a callback. Nice one. Um, now, if people haven't seen the game, it's got this really uh, sort of lovely sort of pa- almost painted uh, style, um, but it has a lot of sort of nostalgic references in it. How did you kind of build out that world or what did your team do to, to make that world and, and, and what were you kind of drawing on? Um, so I guess, so one, we wanted to tell a story about friendship, basically. Um, there's not like a lot of games that, can can tell like a platonic story of friendship, I think, um, or have done that previously that we could think of. Um, and I guess when we think about friendships, um, friendships never seemed so large as when you were a child. So like childhood friendships seem to be like, that's a really good time to set that story in. Um, and then because we all grew up in the eighties and nineties, that's where all the like nostalgic references come from. So um, yeah. So it's all like gardens that are built around, you know, huge Mac 2s and Famicoms and all sorts of crazy things, CRT televisions. Wheelie bins. Yeah, wheelie bins, the very Australian recycling one, yeah. Um, now, the game itself has got this, uh, you know, very sort of chilled out soundtrack um, and uh, you're working with uh, Tim Scheel uh, to, to make that. How did that sort of come about and what uh, sort of vibe were you going for when you were trying to build the, the soundtrack for this game? Um. Yeah, pretty relaxed was kind of definitely something we wanted to go for um a big core pillar of the game is we wanted to make a game that like anyone can play um 
all the story in the game is told without any like narrative or dialogue. It's all just through images. There's no time pressure to solve puzzles. It doesn't require dexterity. Um, and I think like a, a relaxed soundscape kind of fits that mood. I think it's good to have, especially with puzzle games, um, kind of encourages contemplation, um, which also fits in with the the memories theme as well. You know, you're moving time backwards and forwards to contemplate different parts. So yeah, like a pretty relaxing soundtrack, I think it fit that quite nicely. The way your characters move along the level is very interesting to me because they kind of spiral up this hill and the level doesn't really go like in a traditional like left to right or right to left or straight forward and back. They they kind of spiral upward. Um, where did that idea come from? Because I've, I've seen that in very few games. Yeah, I guess the main thing we wanted to make was like small, enclosed, intimate spaces um, just focused around like a few central objects. Um, and the only way to really do that is to make, you know, just put it on an island. So kind of the spinning around islands just kind of came naturally out of that. Um, <clears throat> I guess the other thing is when you're controlling time, it's not always obvious what's like what you're in control of. So we really wanted to have like the camera motion kind of match that. So when the camera's moving to the right, time is moving forwards, and when it's moving to the left, it's moving backwards. Um, so yeah, we just ended up with this like interesting spiraling levels. Um, we've got like, I don't know, a ton of different types of ways of making a spiral on an island now. I think we've tried all of them. Now, you mentioned uh, that you uh, made the previous game, Train, Train Conductor World, and it's been quite successful for you. Uh, you're now sort of moving towards the, the PlayStation 4 for release of The Gardens Between. Um, what was the sort of transition like when you were designing a sort of a puzzle game for, for a mobile platform with um, Train Conductor World versus um, making a puzzle game for, for a console? Um, weirdly, like, I mean, we don't, when we started making the game, we didn't have a particular platform in mind. Um, we kind of just, the way we work is we kind of come up with a core mechanic, um, try and find out what's interesting about that mechanic. Um, and in this game, it was like discovering stories. So we worked with a writer, um, and just kind of, it kind of grew and evolved as we were making it, um, into this product. And when it got to a certain point, we were like, this, this only really makes sense on steam or like consoles, because that's where people who are interested in like artistic types of games will play games. Like the mobile audience is very casual focused, like, you know, candy crush clash of clans kind of deal. Um, which is definitely not what this game is. Like you kind of want to like sit down and immerse yourself in it. So, um, yeah, I guess after we made the decision to put it on Steam, then like, you know, big console screens is just the just makes sense. Like that's how I prefer to play games. So yeah, it was kind of more of an evolution of just the best place for the game rather than like, let's make a console game. Now yes. oh, so we've actually talked to quite a few people that have put their games onto the PS4 and other consoles, and they've all had different stories about how that got started. Like, how did that get started for you? Um, well, I guess, I mean, it's pretty easy just to plug a controller into the computer, um, and the game just feels the most natural with an analog stick. Um, so we're doing that anyway, like we play it with a controller. Um, so it just made sense. Uh, and then just traveling overseas. So at events like GDC, um, and PAX, you run into other developers and other platform holders. So you talk to Sony and then you talk to them and then talk to them enough times and they 
sign you up to their platform. Um, luckily, Sony really loved the game. Um, so it just worked out really nicely for us, I guess. Wasn't a hard sell or anything like that? Yeah, I think, I think like going to shows like PAX does a really good job of that. Like, I think it's quite hard to walk up to someone and be like, hey, I've got a game and I want you to put it on all of your consoles. Um, that's really hard to do. But when you, can, when you can set up a show at PAX and people can walk by and just see lots of people playing the game and see how pretty it is, um, I think particularly with the gardens between, like it's the art style that draws most people in. Um, that just really helps because like if someone from Sony walks by and you've got a big line at your booth and everyone wants to play the game, then, you know, then they also want a game. Now, you said you've been working on it for a number of years. Uh, and when we spoke to Henrik at PAX uh, late last year, he said you were very sort of close to that uh, launch point. How, when can people sort of expect to being able to play The Gardens Between? And uh, how does it feel to be at this, uh, this point? Yeah, it's good. It's taken a long time to get to this point. Um, but yeah, we have the end in sight. It'll definitely be out this year. I don't want to give away too specific of a date, but... 100% it will be out in 2018. Yeah, don't give yourself a deadline, otherwise you might overshoot it by a year and a half. 642 days or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Definitely uh, in the next 30 days. Uh, okay. We're going by government days. There we go. Government, government days. days. <laughs> Uh, now, if people want to find out a bit more about the game, um, and you can, uh, one of the things I would recommend is check out the sort of the ambient trailers that you have on, on your website. But where They're should they really go good. to if they want to find out some more info? Uh, Thegunsbetween.com is just, that's, that's where all the stuff is. Um, we've got a, a trailer up there that's pretty interesting. Um, check that out. That's pretty cool. Uh, you just mentioned the ambient, weird, slow trailer thing that we tried mm. to do. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I love Netflix slow TV, like the fireplace for your home, yeah, the, the train ride, the gun on SBS, like that was amazing. Um, so we kind of tried to do like a weird game version of that. So we've got like a weird forty-five minute YouTube playlist of <laughs> like game visuals and music. So you can find that on relax.thegardensbetween.com. It's um, it it is really really cool to ha- kind of have that, and I think uh, you know, YouTube is this platform that people use to listen to music primarily, and you can kind of just have it on in the background and just chill out. So, uh, if you have forty five minutes, then uh, jump in there and and, and check that one out. Uh, look, uh, we we've uh, got a very excited to play it. I've it was one of I guess uh, highlights at uh, PAX Australia uh, this year, uh, well last year actually. Sorry, we're in the in. 2018 now. What are you, uh, the government? I know. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, we're very excited to play it, and we'll be definitely putting links up to that on our website where you can find out more information about that, including links to everything that we've talked about on the show. Yeah, you can uh, expect to see that in uh, in 30 government days. 30 government days, yes. Um, the website is pixelsift.com.au. Uh, we've also got uh, a whole bunch of other stuff, haven't we, Mitch? Yes, we do. Yes, we have a website that, uh, yep, that you just mentioned, and we also have the podcast available on iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, Pocket Casts, and all that, all your favorite podcast players. That's right. Uh, and you can uh, find out all about when we're going live. You can perhaps even join us on, on Discord and, and play some games with uh, Matt and Mitch online. Uh, and that's Pixel Sift. Yeah. I, I will absolutely play a game with someone. As you know, you've already got your first person who's going to play a game with you. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. We'll set that up. Um, yeah, that's pixelsift.com.au forward slash discord. Uh, we do this every fortnight, uh, this podcast episode at least. And we on do. alternating weeks, we do uh, Let's Plays. Uh, coming up, you can look forward to us designing a mode for uh, Giant Margarita's Party Crashes. Oh, we're doing that? Coming up very soon. 
follow those social medias to find out more information about that. Yeah, bitch, you should have followed our social media to find out more information about that. Big, I follow all the social medias. Big thank you to uh, Murdoch University School of Arts for supporting the show. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. Uh, we will be back next On the week. 15th. Oh, wait. Well, fif- next week with Let's Play 15th for the actual show. That's right. Sarah, have a good time in Melbourne. Thank you. I will. Math. We'll Your come, hair we'll looks like with... it's ready to go to Melbourne. Definitely. Matt, thank you very much for joining us. We're really excited to play your game and uh, can't wait to check it out. Guys, no, thank sure. you for having me. It's been great. We should We're... get Discord to, to give us some, uh, some, some sweet, sweet, sweet bucks. Does Discord yeah. have any money? They have money. Yeah. They, they don't have, have money. I'm not convinced money. they have money. See you next week, guys. They have Bitcoin, surely. See you guys. Bye.